welcome everyone to the very first GM wrap-up uh, that we're doing here at DMs After Dark. We're talking about Invisible Sun, mm. uh, which I ran. If you haven't watched it yet, you should, uh, because you're not going to know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> spoilers so, for all of Invisible Sun, yeah, I guess? Lots of spoilers. Yeah, will be probably. Coming. So, um, I guess I, I'll start with some of my thoughts about the game, um, and then you guys can certainly ask, ask me questions. But uh, first of all, it, it was a game that I know, I think it came out in 2018, uh, but don't quote me on that, but it was somewhere around there. I was very excited about it when I learned about the fact that it was coming out because I love the idea of the world that was built around it and just how much stuff and lore and, and mystery is built into it. Uh, and I really love the idea of a, a setting where you really, players can have any sort of character that they have and you have you have a room to tell a lot of very different stories. Uh, so I was excited by that, but I was also really, really daunted by it. And I was also really, really daunted by the price tag of the physical books, which yeah, like it's crazy. It was like two hundred bucks, bucks. bucks. You know, so uh, I think it was really early in uh, the end of the world pandemic, where uh, it was either Humble Bundle or Bundle of Holding, which. Find both those websites and just put your email address in them because you're going to get these wonderful emails like once a month at least. Yeah. Really good bundles. I average one a month, uh, you know, and you get, like, you get like five or six books. I mean, you can get like a whole run of some RPG for like 25 bucks. It's worth it. They're all PDFs. And money goes to it. charity. And the money goes to charity. So it's, you know, yeah, bundle actually, holding is great. your addiction is helping people. Uh, so do that. Uh, but Invisible Sun came up as one, so I just I snapped it right up, and then I went through, and I it, there were a couple the core box set came, and there were a couple other books like a monster book and a book about black magic and stuff that I I just went and I bought them all on my own just because I was I really got drawn into it when I started reading it, um, and it was a game that I was like instantly I want to run this one day because I was intimidated by it. Yeah, it's I think dense. that's that's a very good DM tip of like do the thing you're scared of doing, run the game you're scared of doing. Because you're not going to regret it when you're done. Trust me, I feel really good about what we did with Invisible Sun. Uh, so I don't know if you guys want to jump in now, or I can talk about some of my prep, or you want to just start asking questions. Yeah, I actually have questions about your prep, so right, maybe it'll it'll yeah. lead into that. Sure. Um, like we've hinted at already, and if you've watched Invisible Sun, you've heard us talk about it <laughs> on our streams. It is a dense system. Like it is crazy how much you need to read that to be ready to play that. Um, you need to understand a lot of words that don't make sense outside of the context of that game at all, yeah. uh, just to understand how your character works. Um, so saying that this is kind of a two part question. Um, what was the hardest part of the game to prep and what was your favorite part of the game to prep? So the hardest part of the, th the part I was most nervous about never came to fruition, which I was terrified someone was going to make a maker. Mm. Which is the cat with the school of magic within the game, where you actually make things. Uh, you know, you build little magical doohickeys, but the rules behind doing that are just ridiculously dense, and I could not understand them for the life of me. And I was just like, I really hope that nobody decides to make one of these characters. And I was really, really happy that nobody did. Uh, outside of that, uh, with running the game, it's deceptive because when you read the rules of the game. It's like, okay, you just, as a gym, you just need to make a judgment call of how difficult something is on a scale of 1 to 10. It should be really easy, right? It's not. No. It's not, it's not as the easy as The effects are crazy. The, the effects are crazy. The, the way that each individual character's school of magic or their fortes interact with the rules is crazy. And so, I mean, honestly, what I did a lot is just lean on my players. And I'm mm -hmm. lucky that I have you guys because you guys are all really good players. And I was just like, it's your job. Here you go. You figure that part out. And you just tell me how it works. And, you know, if the story you tells me makes sense, then we're going to roll with that. 
Uh, the part that I was most nervous about coming up and play, not that I, I hoped it would happen, but it was um, like the, the summoning of different oh. entities. Yeah, because that's <laughs> it, came yeah, up. It's, it did. But there's all there's like a bunch of different like if we didn't, I don't think technically we really just kind of did it quickly. Uh, within the rules, I was like, hey, you know, just roll this. But the, the Goetic is supposed to say, okay, I'm going to use this approach. I'm going to try to intimidate the demon or charm the demon or offer the demon a sacrifice. And that's going to affect the role. There's all these different rules of like, okay, we well, get a plus two bonus if you do this. So you do get this or that and blah, 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 blah. And I wound up, I, you'll hear me say this time and again, I'm a big fan of not slowing down to play at the table to try to figure things out the right way. It's more important to do it, do what feels right in the sense of the story. So I just at the table, just like, you know what? We're just going to make it like any other role. You're summoning a level three entity. You got a role above a three. What do you got helping you out, Bridget? And, you know, oh, you know, Darcy's there. You get a plus one for that because you got a crush on him. And you yep. get a plus one for that. So now you just need to roll a one or higher and you're good. And that's what we rolled with. And it worked out fine. I mean, there was no, you know. Bridget it's had not a, a game crush I on Darcy about. and was the most overpowered buff I have ever had in a game. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. I just thought it was fun to lead into that and yeah, play the great. aloof. Yeah. Uh, my favorite part of running it actually was the monsters uh, because everything is rated on a scale of 1 to 10. So there really isn't a whole lot to keep track of and you don't roll as a, as a GM. So there's not a whole lot to keep track of as far as a monster and they're very ridiculously easy to make. I mean, that Bornless one, that whole fight and encounter, which you know I'm flattered you guys saw it was so awesome. But he, I just had a note. It was like, Bornless one's level 8. He's got a couple spells that can go up to 10 or higher if you're going to resist it. It was like two sentences. Wow. And I yeah. just said, you know, this is how many times you got to hit the guy to kill him or, or defeat him somehow. And I had a, I personally had a couple ideas of how you guys would defeat him. There will be spoilers here. Uh, so stop listening. Did uh, you see it coming? <laughs> I saw you wound up doing it very similarly to the way I thought you were going to do it. Oh, okay. Uh, because I ultimately, like, if you went the straight combat route and just, like, tried to overpower him... I was going to look at it as like a very hollow victory because like, yes, you destroyed like his physical form, but he was kind of going to die with a laugh on his lip on his lips because that didn't really matter as much to him. He could just reform. Right. Sure. Uh, so you defeated him momentarily. My ideas were stick him in Pandora's box. Mm-hmm. And something that Amber came up with at the very first session or second session where, you know, she had like the whiteboard on your, on Darcy and Darcy and cross space on the wall. It's like, let's, you know, he, he, he defines himself by being indefinable. Let's like make a meme out of him and define him. And I was like, that's a great idea. You'll trap him into something. Yeah. And then once you trap them, and that's really what you wound up doing in, in essence. So when Darcy hit upon that idea of like, I'm going to draw this guy's soul back to him. Yeah. I was like, that's perfect. And it, and it worked out really well with the elements of mythology we had talked about with the serpents and, and things like that. So it was, Nice. Yeah, it was great. I, that was so running the monsters from the GM side of the table was great because it's really easy. I love that. Actually, yeah, it also seems like you could also if you pick that level, right? You say he's level eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just look at the effects table for yeah, you know exactly, what, and, just and you pick like, a few oh, things that go. He'd be able to do this. He'd want to do yep, this. He'd do yep, this, and, and you just and pick a few of even them. beyond even beyond like even within their stats of characters and monsters within there, they'll just be like, "This is a guy with a bunch of spells. He's level eight. He can do anything up up to level eight. And the game actually has a card or a couple pages which says like, "This is a level one effect. This is level two effect. This is yeah. level three. And it's really it's defined by damage. So I think it's like level eight would be eight points of damage to one person or four points of damage to an area or whatever you know that would be uh, so brutal would have been devastating yeah so he didn't he got his ass kicked pretty hard so he didn't really have much of a chance but uh yeah so 
I like that because it made it very easy. It's also very easy that if you misjudged, and let's let's say I, you guys were getting destroyed, right? And it looked like you guys, the TPK was going to be the end of the series. I could very easily just ratchet him down, and all of a sudden you just start making your rolls if I wanted mm. to do that, you know. And there's just it's just one number you have to have in your head to say, okay, well now it's not a level eight anymore; it's like a level four or five. You have to get over. So um, one of the things that I that I always get nervous as a DM, but you really had to deal with this series was how did you balance and handle all of the wildly different characters that we came up with? Because Invisible Sun is one of those games where the the world and the setting you can really do anything with it. I mean, the five player characters we had were all fucking wildly different. Um, and even characters with similar goals were completely different people. So, like, how how did you kind of take all of these weird different things and kind of get them going in the right direction? Yeah, so um, when I prepped, I had a pretty good idea of the character. I had a, I knew your characters you made because we had made the characters that I prepped. I had a general idea of what I wanted to do. And, and the challenge was I have four, maybe five sessions, right? And I want to tell something cool and epic because it's an epic world. Right, so it's got to be something big because it's a big sort. It's a world that lends itself to really, really big stories, but it can't be something that, like, you can't be like saving. Well, I mean, you kind of did save part of the universe, but you can't like save the whole universe. We can't do like the level yeah. twenty thing because you're yeah. not going to have like the time to do that, right? Yeah. So I came up with. I was just thinking about you know something that would unite a lot of people together and like, all right, well, you know, people will help children in need, right? So I started with that. And then I was like, all right, well, who is the child? Let's make her something more. That's always a cool thing. Like, who the fuck is this kid? And then I, I hit upon the idea of like just concepts being like a living part of the universe. And I was like, all right, well, that's great. What's the concept, right? And then I, I hit upon the idea of hope because I was, I was thinking about Pandora and Pandora's box. And within, depending on the version of Pandora's box, that story you hear, uh, she either shuts it before the last demon gets out or it's open and the last demon to escape is hope. Mm -hmm. And I like that idea of hope being a very ambiguous thing because it's like some people think it's great, other people think it's bad. And then I had what tied everybody together because Bridget was the hardest because she had, she had like an evil, you know, background, basically background. She had an evil, an evil, uh, you know, her, her sponsor is, is literally a devil and he was easy in that he'll tell you what to do and you do it, but why would he want you to do this? And I really liked the idea of Arotha being like, you know, I wish I could be what this little girl is, right? Because this little well, girl has done so much damage. Because hope can be a great thing, but hope can also be a very damaging thing because it keeps you in bad situations. I was so, just going to say, yeah. um, my interpretation of it was that the devils would want hope to still be around because hope and disappointment leads to despair. And that correct. leads to Absolutely deals with correct. devils. And, you that, know what I mean? and that actually yep. is like the cycle of Invisible Sun. Where yeah. it's like the red sun is over the gold sun, the gold sun is rebirth, and then it goes all the way back up to the yeah, silver yeah. sun. And so, you know, and Arotha and the red devils, they're part of that. Yeah. So then it's like, well, what's not part of it? The black, the void. And then I have my bad guys. And then that came with T.S. Eliot's poem, The Hollow Man. And I was like, well, that's what they are. They're the hollow men. They sold out everything. They're hollowed out. They're these like extreme nihilists and they want to destroy everything in existence. So once I had that, I had to tie everyone together to it, right? So everybody, though, gave me like a want. And so I just took everybody's want. Like you wanted, a, Bridget wanted a new form. Darcy wanted to uh, learn a secret of the legacy. Frey mm -hmm. wanted revenge. Uh, uh, Henry wanted 
uh, she had the dream and she wanted to, to learn a secret too, just a different sort of secret. And um, Istanbul, Istanbul wanted, wanted his, mom. his mom back, right? Istanbul was the one that I feel I had like the most tenuous connection to everything. Mm-hmm. So he was a little bit of the hardest one. Uh, but so I crafted like the beginning. So the beginning I came up with Johannes Dasein. I came up with like the boring academic speech because that was just funny to me. I came up with he was he was the caretaker for Apata and there was going to be attack. The Hollow Men are going to attack. And I just figured, hopefully, fingers crossed, otherwise we're going to have a really short series, you guys protect the girl. Right? Because even like, even very, very different people, if there's an attack, will spring to action and like save a little girl. It was actually funny. Uh, yeah. Because at the very beginning, or when that fight started to pan out, Jess was like, how do we know this girl is in trouble? And I was like, oh, shit, are we, are yeah, we doing Jess, this the wrong way? Jess said one of the greatest things in that series right there, where she said, we don't even know. We might be defeating the good guys, right? And, yeah. and as it came out, like, I mean, a lot of that stuff was a matter of point of view. Yeah. Uh, within the situ- which, was, which is perfect for Invisible Sun. So I, I wrote a really, really good opener. And then I wrote nothing. I was like, we'll see what you guys do with it. And, and I just had an idea of like, this is what happens. This is this is what Apata will say or do if you interact with it. And you spent really the next session just interacting with her. And I was just like, okay, well, she would say this, she would say that. And I made sure that just, and this was just something that came up while I was playing an idea. I made sure everybody had a moment with her. So yeah. you had, you knew that there was something much more to her, but she also tied into what you wanted. Which makes sense. So I use, I use when you create characters in Visible Sun, everybody's like, this is what my character wants. So you just roll with it. And then, then it was just, you know, I love Drusilla as a character. She, I wanted her to have a cooler fight than she actually happened to her. But I think it worked out really well. Uh, oh, no. Still. Like shit. And, you know, yeah. I, I knew, like, you know, your typical, like, investigation. Like, you'll lean on this guy. He'll lead you to this place. Then you're, and it was ultimately, I was trying to get you guys to go to the, un, actually go to the Undersling and get ambushed by, like, Drusilla and a bunch of, like, thugs in that pinion court where, like, the angels' torn-off wings are. Because I thought that would be, like, a really cool fight. Uh, but you might end up capturing her. Uh, and then the, but the idea was always like from there, find a way back. I didn't know how you were going to get to the resolution with the hollow men and the, and the bornless one. But I also loved that he just kept fucking with you through dreams mm-hmm. and he couldn't get to Bridget. And it was perfect that that's what he does. And he's going to tempt you. And then ultimately between the fourth and the fifth, the last session, that's when I was like, oh, it's like his fortress is buried in the deeps of sleep. And you have to dream to get there because that just sounds wicked cool. And I had an idea of what it would look like with like the nightmare swimming through the dark and everything. And I just love that idea. And and then I wrote the ending. And the ending was, how do I make sure that I tie all these people's things into what they want? Yeah, you did a really great job with that. And I didn't I didn't I didn't know that until like the morning that we played. I got final to all the ideas. And I also didn't know how all of it was going to do. So I had a couple alternative ones because if Troy had been able to play, like I was concerned that there might be a fight between like Troy and Henry to get the key. So I figured like, you know, if Henry was the one who won and got the key, you know, um, Agape, Agape would give Istanbul away to his mom because she's essentially like, she's selfless love, which encompasses Mm -hmm. encompasses motherhood, you know, certainly the feelings a mother would have to the children. Uh, So she would have a connection to that mom and give the secret to Darcian, which is that things that are forgotten can be remembered. And you just gave me that one, Rainy, when you had the argument with the Hollowman. I just was like, I'm going to take that and run with it. Thank you. So, so I that's, to play my nerd. <laughs> Darcy just, is my theory correct? Nope, that's all I wanted. Nope. And so I just so, what I did was I just took everything that the characters wanted and did my level best to make sure they got it, or at least a part of it somehow. And that tied it together and it, 
it worked out because everybody wanted to make to work together and you all had ties to each other, which worked, made it easy to like, if you were strangers at the beginning of it, it still would have been doable, but I don't think, I don't think I would have enjoyed the characters as much because they all had really good relationships with each other. Yeah. It, a lot of the, having those connections specifically with the other player characters and not only intensifies, like, gives you a lot more to work with as a as a DM, but it intensifies it a lot for the character, like, yeah. the characters and the players. Yep. I only have one more question, because mm-hmm. we kind of touched on my second question. Um, what was your favorite Easter egg that we didn't catch or you didn't get to use? Oh, shit. Uh, I forgot to use a portion of, so at the beginning of the first issue, season Session, whatever, fuck, stream, that. The first thing we did, um, I'm old, forgive me. Uh, <laughs> I'm old and it's getting late. Um, I At the end, when the last Holloman phased out, he said, this is the way the world ends, this is the way the world ends, this is the way the world ends, not with a bang, but a whisper, right? And that's actually one of the stanzas from T.S. Eliot's poem, The Hollowman. Oh. And I was going to keep, I had intentions to keep using them. So there's all sorts of good ones, like between the desire and the spasm, there lies the shadow. He has got this, like the final quartet is all these things like between life and death, there lies the shadow between this and that there lies the shadow. And that is perfect for them. Yeah. Because they're of the shadow. And so I was going to keep using them, like having them like drop those lines to you guys. Uh, And I forgot. That's cool. I got wrapped up in stuff, but I got a lot of other stuff in. So it was, was good. Uh, Pretty much outside of that, you got all the, like, I didn't have anything like, hidden like he, he, I hope to get them yeah I, no, I, I when I put it. stuff in I hope people get it because it's yeah. fun for me yeah uh my favorite one though was the um the first Elton Elton was fun no actually it was the shadow the um actuality versions of all of us oh yeah my uh my cousin it musician <laughs> final thoughts I guess on Invisible Sun um it was a great experience I love running it um I love the world and the setting, and I love the characters. That, I really, really love the characters that everyone came up with. And you know, it's I'm bummed a lot, a lot when we. I'm always feel a little let down when we finish the season because uh, uh, it's like we're not going to get to. You know, we're saying goodbye to them. Uh, I always hope that we go back. Uh, I purposely left it open for us to go back with this one one day because I really love all the characters. The road trip. Yeah, road trip. Uh, I do think it'd be great for us to revisit some of our things and maybe in the future we'll be able to do that. Mm, yeah. Um, uh, because, you know, I, I they were great. That was a great time. It was a short time in our life, but it was a great time. I felt the same way with Good Society. Like, it was a really awesome game. Uh, and, and the games, we, other games we've had too. But this year we've been killing it so far, I think. Yeah, we are only getting better. Yeah. yeah uh, I think we're getting a lot more comfortable and it's been great. I would say if... You're interested in Invisible Sun. Uh, I don't think the physical copies of the books are available anymore. If you hold out, Bundle of Holding occasionally replays those, so you can find it mm-hmm. again and buy it for like I think I got the whole thing for forty bucks. Uh, if not, all the PDFs are available uh, either on Drive Through or wherever. Um, Monty Cook Games, you can still get. Yeah, Monty PDFs, Cook Games can have the PDFs too, and that's just something. If your group is a bit is you know if the price on its own is, the price point's too high, everybody in your group can pitch in to play it. Uh, you know, if everybody pitches in 20 bucks, you, you've got it. Um, it's not a game for everyone. It's not your first RPG. I think I said to originally, it was like the, you know, weird German film director's avant-garde. version of an RPG, like avant-garde, like I don't care what you think sort of RPG. Uh, and it definitely is that. 
but it's also really beautiful in a lot of ways and it allows you to tell a lot of stories that are really cool that you could tell in other games but i don't think they would have the same impact so if you're interested in it i definitely recommend it the system will take some getting used to <laughs> All right, uh, grade the grade the game, grade the system. Uh, the system itself, I'll, I'll give it a six out of ten. Okay, nice. Six, the setting and everything, like ten. Out of 10. I yeah. We should we should you know what we yeah. should do? We'll do this since this is really the first one of these we're doing. We're gonna come up with a a grading system. Grading system. Yeah, yeah we I should like totally it. do that. Yeah. Well, th thanks for sticking with us for our first uh, series recap. Thank yeah. you, Christian, for running Invisible Sun. No really yeah. Last, guys, thanks for so much for playing. It was certainly one that was on my my game bucket list. So, save for me as a player too. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, and thank all of you for listening. And we hope that you check out our next series, our other series, and please reach out to us and let us know what you want us to play. Yeah, and if you haven't listened to Invisible Sun, it's available on our podcast and on YouTube. So go watch it. Watch it because we make a lot of stupid faces. Thank you. Who have really stupid faces? <laughs> <laughs> I ended on that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, oh, sorry. that's good. Good night.